Editing out mouth noises and background sounds and every other little verbal tick I can find from both of us. I'm not saying you, but from both of us. Oh, no. I know the mouth noises. You don't have to say. (laughs) When you said mouth noises, it never – I never for a second assumed that you were not included in the weird mouth noises, Nick. Don't worry. Oh, my God. You got so loud just now. So loud. And because Kyle's getting loud, we must be listening to the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. (laughs) And I'm Kyle. And with us is our guest, say your name, Chloe. Meat Mop. Our guest, Meat Mop. Thank you for joining. Hey! My pleasure. You know, we've always wanted you on this show. How are things? It's fine. Things are fine up here on planet Venus. I'm doing my best, as every Earthling is, I think. Uh. Oh, Jesus you know, Christ. What are in we Steven Uni- In Steven Universe, Meat Morp is what they call art because the aliens yep. don't have the concept of art. But they yep. invent it organically once they're on Earth and they call it Meat Morp. In case um, you haven't figured it out yet, audience, this is a show where some nerds talk about a bunch of dumb nerd <laughs> shit. And it roughly revolves around the TV series The Big Bang Theory. It's great because the thesis of that show is that really humanity is sort of a concept defined by cultural empathy and not you know any kind of biological construct so the aliens by learning to live among the human beings and process their own emotions they become human despite the fact that they are immortal gems with godlike powers isn't that delightful isn't that just a lovely thing and that's not the show we're talking about. No, it is nope. not. If we would be having so much better of a time if that were the show we're talking about. Instead, we we willfully self-flagellate for reasons that are honestly inexplicable to even ourselves. And yet we seem to have gathered a small following of people who enjoy listening to that. So welcome to another bi-weekly experience of us turning our plain pain into something that roughly resembles pleasure at the very least resembles the feeling of not boredom if you're listening to this <laughs> congratulations on on finding this and and having our value added to your life you know we were just talking about hades which is a game where with all of these weird hidden subsystems i like to imagine that we are that in someone's life that they're just going along and they're like i understand how life works i've sort of figured out everything i mean there's stuff i don't understand but i get the gen there's no weird easter eggs in life that are really going to just throw me off my understanding of how reality works and then they find this podcast and they're like oh oh there's a whole other layer hey chloe did you know there's big bang theory erotic fan fiction of course there is. Of course. Th- I didn't have to look that up to know that there is. If there are more than one male character in a show, then there is erotic fan fiction of it. That is just the way of the world. More than one male character? Yeah. For some reason, a lot of fan fiction skews male. Though, in post-2011, like 2011, for some reason, now it's skewing more female. But when I was raised on fan fiction, <laughs> when I was raised on fan fiction, it was all male. It was all like man on man action. Chloe, I was going to ask you to do like an, a little introduction of yourself and what <laughs> what what you're into and what kind of thing you might bring to the show. She's and a resident is, erotic fan is, fiction yeah, expert. That's no why longer she's necessary. Here. It's no. it's out there. We're good. You let's, fell into my trap. Let's let's pretend I that the show still has some sort of rough format. And oh, yeah, I'm going to very briefly, um, more briefly than ever, I hope, describe what happened in today's episode. Oh, beautiful. And then we'll pick it apart. But honestly, we'll probably just quiz Chloe about more erotic fan fiction. <laughs> so, Did you ever read any Ranma half erotic fan fiction? Because that was really where the internet was at when I was in that scene. And then I sort of fell out of it. But No, no, I never did. But, you know, I know what you're talking about, but it never was my bag. And right about that time is when I started getting out of the fan fiction world. You ever beat someone's ass with a yaoi paddle? You bet I have. You know I have. Come on. Uh, Come on. Why are you asking me questions? Didn't doubt that for a second. All right. Well, (laughs) so what happens in this episode of The Big Bang Theory, Nick? All right, um, intrepid listeners, today we are on episode, we're on season four, episode nine, titled The Boyfriend Complexity. And we're, we're back to an episode that doesn't have a whole lot of B plot, but the, the A plot, A plot's thin, but it's there. So basically, 
cold open is all the nerds are talking about all the different kinds of things they might find in superheroes butts more or less and mm-hmm. it doesn't really go anywhere until the the pizza that was ordered does not come up the stairs to the apartment leonard decides he's going to go check on it but also it, he was going to invite penny over or something what whatever loose reason they create to have leonard go to penny's apartment but when uh, the door opens, he is encountered by a, a, a strange older man he does not recognize. It soon becomes clear that this is Penny's dad who is in town visiting. And Penny, without explanation, uh, refers to Leonard as sweetie or lover or some shit like that before grabbing his face and giving him big old wet smoocheroo. That's your cold open. Then... We go back to the nerds still talking about comic books, and Leonard's like, oh my god, I don't know what happened. Ah! And eventually Penny comes over to explain that after she and Leonard had broken up earlier in the series, she had also told her dad that at some point Penny had won Leonard back. And this is because apparently Leonard is the only boyfriend either in recent memory or maybe as long as Penny's been alive that that Penny's dad approves of. And so then they start this twisted little game where Leonard has to continue for the rest of the episode to pretend to be Penny's boyfriend. Um, even though he knows he's pretending, he's a real fucking creep and takes advantage of it by uh-huh. putting his mouth on her mouth as much as he possibly can. And Dad loves it. Dad's like, God, nothing makes me happier and prouder than watching someone try to get my daughter wet. And so <laughs> that's pretty weird and gross. Meanwhile, in the very thin B-plot, uh, Raj and Wallowitz are hanging out not exactly in a lab, but in some sort of site where, where Raj has access to a, a super sophisticated telescope that I think is based out of Honolulu. And they're just going to hang out and like play games while looking for whatever they can find on this telescope. Bernadette comes over to hang out too. Raj gets drunk. Whenever Raj gets drunk, first, he can talk to women. Second, he always becomes a terrible asshole. And in this uh-huh. case, he becomes weird and emotional. Uh, he starts talking about how he's going to alienate. If he were to become famous through discovering anything with this telescope, no one would ever speak to him again because he'd intimidate them with all of his fame and wealth and how he's always going to be alone. Bernadette looks at him and says, hey, no, someone out there is going to want to give you a kiss too. Raj drunkenly misinterprets this as a pickup line, goes in to give Bernadette a smooch, Wallowitz uh, intercepts, and then they spend the rest of the episode uh, semi-acknowledging their gay panic. A-plot resolves with Penny... Which is why we brought Chloe onto this episode as our Absolutely. man-man <laughs> shipping expert. Yeah. And then A-plot resolves with Penny, I think because she's so sick of Leonard slobbering all over her, breaking to her dad that they, she and Leonard had in fact broken up. Uh, the dad appears to be really upset about this before he also breaks down. And in a really weird good dad move is like, Penny, I really don't care what you do with your life so long as you're honest with me. It's the betrayal that upsets me the most. And so they have that moment. And then he confronts Leonard and is like, listen, guy, I know I just asked Penny to be honest with me, but you need to lie, cheat, and steal to get back into my daughter's panties. Like, this is, you're the only good thing that's ever happened to her, and I need you in our lives. And that's basically the end of the episode. And so... Any significant plot points I forgot that either of you think are worth including before we start scraping through this trek for little nuggets of fun? Yes. No, that was actually. Oh. I was going to say, you missed a very important plot point, actually, in my Chloe, eyes. please. Uh, okay. At the end, when Penny's dad is like escorting Leonard out of Penny's, Penny's apartment, Leonard says, I'll friend you on Facebook. Yes. And. I didn't want that to be overlooked because that was possibly the dweebiest thing that I've ever seen Leonard say. I, did, how many episodes of this have you seen? Because Oh, I've I seen think, a lot. I think this is your... Oh, shit. Have we talked about that? Because I believe this is at least your <laughs> second time guesting and something that we had a guest on a couple weeks ago, my friend Solveig, and I forgot to ask her this. And I'll ask you this. I think that I, I think I'm probably asking you again. So, like, answer... Mm-hmm. I was going to say briefly, but really talk as much about it as you like. What is your experience, your your past experience with the B- Big Bang Theory before watching this episode and joining us today? 
Oh boy. Okay. So I started watching it when it was first on, uh, because a friend of mine, a fan fiction friend of mine, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, was very much into it because we both liked nerdy boys because we went to performing arts high school and there weren't a ton of nerds at our high school. And so because of that, nerds were very attractive to us. A uh, big mistake as I'm learning in my later years. I, I, Kyle, I hear what you is that? What does that mean that there were no nerds at the performing arts high? How are you, how are you defining nerd when you say, no, in art school entirely full of people? Yeah, we went to sexy Hollywood high school where you can only get in if you have the, the, the clearest skin, the chillest vibes. No, and a- no. No, I mean, there were obviously... Obviously, all of the the people who went to my school were fucking nerds, but specifically computer nerds. Specifically, you were specifically into computer nerds. Yes, really, because you were just like, "Mm, (laughs) I want someone to qwerty my ASDF. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So, so um, I'm sorry, Chloe. You were saying about how in 2003, (laughs) when presumably every single person you knew was obsessed with the song "Defying Gravity" because. Wicked had just come out on Broadway. There were no nerds at your at your high school whatsoever. That's not <laughs> okay. Computer nerds specifically. Uh, oh, okay. Computer nerds, com- computer nerds specifically. Um, because okay, so Big Bang Theory had been on for a few years when I was in high school, mainly because my science teacher was borderline obsessed with it. She had cardboard cutouts of all the characters in the science lab it was a whole thing your science teacher is a menace i know <laughs> she <laughs> she was amazing she had bright red hair she was very much like miss frizzle if miss frizzle wanted to fuck all of the guys from the big bang theory she made it very clear that she specifically liked wallowitz which is funny because if i were gun to my head probably my old self would have gone with wallowitz but now gun to my head i would have gone with raj I mean, because Raj is Raj is problematic, but not as problematic as the other nerds. He's also a real honest. cutie pie. You he would is. you would think that, but let's not forget that this episode revolves around his attempt to drunkenly assault Bernadette, and yeah. the only thing and oh. the yeah. only thing that really stops him is his latent uh, homophobia. That's really the hero. <laughs> that's the okay, hero of okay. this episode. Hard turn, Chloe. Hey, getting to know hey. you is fun. All right. Uh-huh. What about Raj assaulting? Bur- let's 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 skate. Let's let's take a moment to examine this. Yes. Okay. Oh, me? <laughs> well, you 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 made sounds indicating that you were about to say another thing. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I uh, I have a lot of feelings on this. So. Raj, okay, of the nerds, he is probably the least problematic. And I think that that has to do with the probably white male writers that are in the writing room of the show. We're like, "Mm, we can't make the the one guy of color be like the worst, I think is maybe the reason. But this episode, wow, he displays this perfect, this perfect microcosm of nerdiness that intersects with like maleness that I've particularly bared witness to throughout my life where because they're sad, they think that what they do is fine. And it's, it's a really funny thing to watch it on a comedy show because it's like, Oh wow, that was fully like almost assault. And Bernadette doesn't say a goddamn thing about it. She's like, okay. well, this has been fun. You know, I am finding myself increasingly uncomfortable with being in the position of defending Raj here, because <laughs> I, I want you, and I think Kyle also, to both explain something you just said, Chloe, which is... Okay. So yeah, I mean, and just to be clear, we're talking about again, Raj, Bernadette, and Wallowitz are all together. They're having a good, fun night in a room together. Uh-huh. Raj gets a little too Well, drunk. they're having an incredibly awkward, drunken Kyle, night together. you are together, too loud. But... I need to... I'm sorry... <laughs> You really need to bring that down three notches. Okay, I can do that. Is that better? That is so much better. That's so much better. I literally lowered the microphone so that it's farther away from my face. Amazing. Okay, but yeah, so they're, they're, they are having a nice time until, as I mentioned until. in the summary, Raj, first of all, can't talk to women until he has some drinks. Then he loosens up and he can speak. But also he inevitably will get drunk to the point where he starts acting like an asshole. And in this case in particular, he becomes a very much self-pitying sad asshole. 
And so when Bernadette tries to comfort him by letting him, by suggesting that someday he will find someone that wants to give him kisses, he misinterprets that and goes in for, for the kiss with Bernadette. Right. And now, Chloe, you're saying that he thinks that is something that is just all right. I'm going to ask you, why is this not just a drunken mistake? And why instead do you think that he is like, everything I'm doing is fine and has no consequence? Well, for a couple of reasons, okay? Because I I want to be on Team Raj, right? I like Raj a whole bunch. But the move usually isn't when your buddy is hanging out with his girlfriend to try to kiss his girlfriend. It's not usually the move. I don't know. I don't know a ton about male culture. Um, other than, you know, existing as a woman in well, the world. I'm going to interrupt so, because you are defining the the the, the negativity the, the, uh-huh. of Raja's interactions in terms of Wallowitz. You're not saying there's just something wrong with him going in for the smooch, but it's that he's going in for the smooch on someone's girlfriend. I is- mean... I mean, kind of both. I mean, obviously. She doesn't, she's not sending him the signals. That's no, basically what no, it comes down to, right? Like, oh, she, no she says one nice thing. And well, he's but like, again, uh, what is, obviously, she wants to put her lips on my lips. But I think there is a difference between misinterpreting a signal and assaulting uh-huh. somebody. Raj, oh, there no, you go. Nick is. is a rape apologist. So that's <laughs> what we know now about Nick. As a defense attorney, you are correct. You literally, literally a rape apologist. But no, Raj isn't like, I don't care how you feel, Bernadette. No. Here no. comes Raj. No, it's more. <laughs> that needs to be on a goddamn bumper sticker. Here comes Raj. Here comes Raj. Great. The show the show has a catchphrase and it's about sexual assault. We've nailed it. You're welcome, Just America. Like a shining but Kyle, that three notches space. down. Three notches down. <laughs> The Shining, but that guy's face staring through the, like, the the hole in the door that he's just cut with his axe. Just, here comes Raj! Yeah. Oh, man. But, but it's that, except, it's my speech bubble. It's the exact image you're saying, Kyle, except a little speech bubble says, I have a monkey butler. So... <laughs> Let's not overlook the monkey butler. That that was a big part of that as well. I mean, okay, well, and again, so, so I, to explain the monkey, when, yeah. when Raj Go gets ahead. drunk and, sat, and he's thinking about his big disco- his big scientific discovery that's going to make him famous, one of the things that he will have as part of his new wealthy lifestyle is, of course, a genetically modified monkey butler. There, mm-hmm. context. Yeah, Chloe, of course. Go. I mean, obviously, monkey <clears throat> butler aside. I mean, I I think that there. Well, no, is no, 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 no! You just said you were going to explain the monkey butler. I get, explain the context of the monkey butler, and then you open again with monkey butler aside. I, I'm I, a menace. Oh, I'm Did done you, with this show. Look, you guys have part fun. Of, it's part of the mad scientist pack. We all know he's basically living out the fantasy from the hit Jonathan Colton song. Gall Crusher Mountain. It's like my assistant Scarface's appearance is quite alarming, but I can assure you, he's harmless enough. He's a sweetheart. Kyle, you somehow and made this a way, podcast. He has so a way of finding he does pretty it things every and time, bringing Chloe. them to me. <laughs> every single time that I think that this can't get nerdier, you bring up Jonathan Colton. It's my things. superpower. You you missed it a few episodes back where I I openly angrily chastised Kyle. <laughs> Because I could hear him typing mid-episode. No. Because I don't remember exactly what it was, but we're in the middle of recording, and then I'm like, Kyle, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was looking up Gundams or some shit. Battletech, you <laughs> bastard. I had to know if there was a new edition of the rule book out. Did you Did you have to know in the middle of the episode? I'm on team, I'm on team Nick here. Oh, like big surprise. Middle, in the middle of the episode. How all occasions do inform against me. Of course, Chloe's on Team Nick. Did you just quote Richard II in the middle? I quoted of Hamlet, thank you very much. Okay, but at least I knew it was Shakespeare, okay? At least I knew uh, it was... Of course, you've been on a Hamlet kick lately, so I should have guessed that it was Hamlet. I'm so angry about that right now. I, all I right, hey, that right. I, I won the moral high ground back. That's all that really matters here. <laughs> I proved that you, a woman, are inferior to me in a in a domain that is culturally respectable. That's all that really matters. All right, hard reset. We have established Raj as a sex pest. Next topic. 
Okay, so the beginning uh, of the episode is with the guys talking about things that, you know, nerdy guys do of like, oh, yeah, let's stick, like, who would put something up someone's butt? Like, who has the worst job? I think that it's who has the worst job in the DC universe. Something something like that, yeah. I I think they were saying, they were asking each other. Jesus Christ, who is is the bravest? (laughs) And the first offered is oh. the person who gives She-Hulk her, behi- her bikini wax because, of course, in the, in the moment of pain as her, uh, as her pubic hair is being ripped off, she would use her super strength to crush her skull. And then the next is, what about the person, what about Captain America's Mexican gardener? Because he's always on the verge of being deported because Captain America is apparently a nationalist. Um, and then finally, it's, well, what about the person who's giving Wolverine a prostate exam? But then as someone points out, it's much scarier to be having Wolverine being the one to give you a prostate exam because he has knives on the end of his fists. Also, mm-hmm. this gives me an excuse to bring up that a couple years ago, I went to a party, a Halloween party with Chloe at one mm-hmm. of her, well, not with you, but you were there at one of your friend's houses. And there was some young, super hot babe dressed up oh, as She-Hulk. Yep. And I hated it because it's like when I was in my mid 20s, I was so overwhelmed and horny for babes that I couldn't control myself and just felt like a wreck. And now that I'm a sad old man, I see these young babes and I think I don't even I'm not even I don't even have the right to be horny in this situation. This is just I just see this and I know that that I am no, no longer part of this world and I need to go home and play video games and not let the people at this party know that I'm absolutely going to masturbate thinking about them later. Um, so it something was, that it I was love rough. the most about you, Nicholas, because I remember that happening. I remember in the moment when I don't even remember her name. Uh, she's a oh, nice I lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started to say I wasn't there, but I know I nevertheless you bring this up about once a week, so you aren't you aren't exaggerating how much it really is burned into your consciousness. Well, the thing about it that I think was the most striking is that she painted everything, and including like all the way up her thighs, and mm-hmm. she had great thighs, mm-hmm. lovely thighs, perfect thighs, and so, and I think that that was the thing that. I saw you see her and it felt like I was in a rom-com for like two seconds and you were like, it was like there were stars in your eyes and you were like, oh no. I think, oh no, was the phrase that you said. Oh no. And do you remember that at that party you came in a red button-down shirt and everybody was trying to guess what Chloe, you Chloe, because I was, I was talking about my <laughs> shitty costume yesterday because... <laughs> My my friend Solve, who was on the the episode on, on a, a recently previous episode, right? We we were comparing favorite bands, and she brought up Oingo Boingo, and I was like, oh, as a matter of fact, a couple years ago, I meant to go to a Halloween party as 1980s Danny Elfman, and it was a last minute costume that I went on to 100% fuck up, and so <laughs> I went to the Halloween party. Just a, a just a random amalgamation of of <laughs> odd clothes I had, and uh, I got there, and everyone's like, "What are you?" And I'm like, "Oh, isn't it obvious? I'm an asshole. I'm gonna go now." And it was a terrible time. Do you remember? And, I think I think you didn't hate me more than in the moment that I said that you looked like you dressed up like Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yeah. Oh no! Speaking of terrible things burning oh, in my God. mind, you know what I should have done is I should have committed to that, and I should have just gone around fucking licking people's feet all night. <laughs> have you seen Foxy Brown? Because it's really an underrated classic that defines American cinema. Uh- Oh God! But uh, speaking of She-Hulk, uh, congratulations to Tatiana Maslany for I was, getting the yes, role of She-Hulk. Yes, thank you, thank you. It needs of to be Orphan said more Black. often. Yes, and uh, you know, I wanted somebody a little bit more green. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Let's go with green. Oh, this is another. Let's go with thing. green. I, I um, I had like the first five volumes of was it like the Scott Sales or something. Some fucking guy's run of, of She-Hulk. I had the first mm-hmm. five trade paperbacks in softcover in my office in my in a, a previous lawyering job. And a client was in my office one day and, you know, we're talking about their case or whatever. 
and they pointed right. out that I didn't have a lot of law books. And I pointed to my She-Hulk collection and I said, that's a lot I need. And I don't know if you've ever seen like the, the hope in someone's eyes just wash away. <laughs> I would have been so scared in that moment if that had been me. I'd been like, oh, no, just like, oh, that's so good, though. It's so good. But She-Hulk is very underrated. I like Hulk and I like She-Hulk as well. But I think You know, that... I was just thinking the other day. You know what's great about She-Hulk, no. I think, is the only, like, female ersatz version of a superhero who really managed uh-huh. to have such a separate identity from her male counterpart that it's, like, totally entire. Like, I like a lot of, like, Spider-Woman, Batgirl, you know. I like all of them. Right. But She-Hulk is really great because... She she's a lawyer, as Nick pointed out. Well, he didn't, but that's what he meant, presumably. And she's funny, and she's like a totally separate brand from the Hulk. So, like, you don't expect when you open up a She-Hulk comic to have like Hulk adventures, but with a girl. And that's actually a really impressive comic. Like, that's a really impressive accomplishment because as much as I love like Batwoman, it's like Batwoman is still hampered by the fact that like all of her adventures are basically Batman adventures, except now right. the main character is a woman. Mm-hmm. Has titties. And also to correct myself, the, the, the comic author is thinking it was Dan Slott who did the She-Hulk mm. run. Scott Sales nice. is a local Montana politician. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Slott. That God, makes your more brain, sense. Your I brain love Tatiana. steeped. <laughs> You would have thought Gina Carana is already on uh, Disney's payroll. You would have thought she mm-hmm. would have been perfect, but I don't know who uh, that is. You don't I know who? Don't know. Gina I don't know who Carano. You I don't know who both... that is either. Uh, Hold on, I'm she... gonna look her up right now. Gina Carano. Nope. Okay, while you, well, the you look her up, let's. No, I have. Tell me, Chloe, Google her and tell me if she doesn't look like she should be She-Hulk. Alrighty. I'm totally yeah. okay with the format of the show loosening up. But Jesus Christ, we really should talk yeah, about the Big Bang no, Theory let's, some more. Let's, let's 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 get back to the show. Okay, so I don't think Raj is a sex predator. Moving on from that. I mean, I think that there I know that you guys kind of were kidding when you said, you know, resident fan fiction girl, Chloe Zubiri. I was not kidding for the record. <laughs> but I think that it's very interesting that of the four, three, four times I've been on here, a majority of the episodes have had some sort of, I'm not gay, you're gay subplot with Raj and Wallowitz, which is really funny because I wish that they had leaned into that because both of them in various ways would have been perfect for each other if they had ever gotten over so their homophobia. That is, that is one of two things I wish were confronted, not necessarily more seriously, but in more depth in this episode. No. Is, yeah, yeah. Th- those two smoochin, you know, they, they go the very obvious comic relief route of, oh, we kissed and it's awkward and we can never really talk about it again. Except Raj does seem to be brokenhearted that Wallowitz doesn't call him the next morning. Which but, is so cute. And I also wanted Raj... To like at least semi seriously confront Wallowitz about his constant racism. <laughs> Instead, Wallowitz yeah. is like, "Yes, I am racist, ain't I a stinker?" And they leave it at that. That was the other thing. But it's like the one person of color on the show is just like, "God, I can't tell if you're being racist." Twice in an episode, yeah. and somehow that's not the joke. Like they should have just gone with that, you know. Yeah, because Wallowitz makes a couple jokes about India and Indians, and he sort of gets payback when uh, Raj and Bernadette gang up on him to make fun of his mom. But it's not the same. Oh, they should have. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not. Yeah. What I really want to see more in media is playful anti-Semitism, and that's what should have happened in this episode. (laughs) I did think... The moment that Bernadette does a pitch-perfect impersonation of Howard's mother and no one talks about it, I was like, I don't see how... Like, I don't... Like, no, this is... Maybe maybe this sounds crazy, but if I found out my girlfriend could sound exactly like my mother at a moment's notice, I don't think I could date her anymore. It would just be too weird. Are you sure you wouldn't just come instantly? Is that... Yes, (laughs) I'm sure it wouldn't just get you fucking rock hard. Yeah, like, I'm sorry I can't see you anymore. I've ruined all of my genes. (laughs) And also, by the way, I don't know why it came to mind this episode, but I was like, so it's Bernadette and Wallowitz 
Their uh-huh. relationship at this point in the series is just a given. It has no problems. It seems perfectly happy and healthy. And Which that's, is weird. It is weird. And I thought I think it's just because they're too lazy to get into any of the details of it. And I oh, assume I assume they will have their trials and tribulations as the series goes on. But what I want to know more about is I just get the impression that Bernadette nasty. Yeah. I just I just feel like she she's doing stuff to Wallowitz that he's not ready for. Wait, he's, wait, well, okay. Do do you get that uh, hold on one second. Do you get that impression, Nicholas? Or do you just want it to be real? I don't see why there has to be an either or there. <laughs> I do get that impression, and I do want a scene to open someday with with Wallowitz being, oh, come on, two fingers next time, and then just just moving on. You know? <laughs> so so in, in this imagining, you're 100% sure that Bernadette's the top, right? Absolutely. I think oh, yeah. No, Wall- that's... Yeah, of course. Wallowitz, I think his sex predator and energy we have is one... We have never had such... Kyle, con- warning number three. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't yell directly into your microphone. <laughs> now, what were you going to say? We have never had such consensus. On, we have never agreed on anything as much as we agree on when Bernadette and Wallowitz do it. Uh, Bernadette but, is the top. Yes, of course. Well, I don't Absolutely. think she's just the top, though. I think she I – th- I, I am 100% confident that she bullies him. Like, yeah, no, she's not a gentle femdom. She's like she's – a, she's a totally – brutal femdom yeah like he can't buy memory film pillows anymore because every time he takes the case off and looks at it his own grimace is staring back at him it's (laughs) (laughs) oh no do you think she's a whip girl or do you think she's a paddle girl (laughs) i i don't think think she's one of those financial humiliation girls where she's just like yeah give me all your money wallow it's i think she just you dirty femdom I just think she has surprisingly muscular arms and just, like, mashes his face into whatever <laughs> happens to be nearby, is what I think. I think that she makes him drink her piss. That's Whoa! What I think. <laughs> That's what I think. I think that she's, like, a humiliation dom. I mean, and this won't be the first really... time we've had two characters that we've suspected are drinking each other's pee-pee, so... Really? Oh, Who's yeah. Well, no, we know for a fact that Leonard is, has consumed... Uh, Sheldon's, Sheldon's piss. Yeah, it's just oh. a question of it's just a question of whether or not it, he was secretly into it, or whether it was really as he claimed out of ignorance. Mm, um, honestly, anyway, yeah, because yeah, Bernadette. I mean, she's into like in this episode, right? She's like, "Well, I wanted this beer, but I have to remember whether or not I washed my hands before I played with the penicillin-resistant gonorrhea," and that is just like the sort of stone cold shit that she's constantly dropping. It, which is great. The, I loved that moment specifically because there's no way as a scientist that she would have forgotten to wash her hands, but she got to just watch them both squirm. And well, it obviously was you don't know that where coronavirus came from, Chloe. Oh, no. The Chinese. They, <laughs> they, yeah, of course. They created it to, yes. to, to ruin the president. Ooh, well, this has been fun, guys, but uh, <laughs> I think I need to log out right now. Have you seen the latest posting from Q, Chloe? It's making a lot of sense if you do your research. <laughs> I have a friend who got red-pilled. He is now spouting QAnon bullshit, and I'm like, uh, I don't have the intelligence to bring you back from this. No one it's does. Really sad. No one does. It's not your fault. No, it's okay. It's not your fault. God. All right. I don't want to go down this road. I mean, it's we all know where it leads, and it's too sad. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. A Wayfair refrigerator full of children. That's where it leads. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What has happened to us? Going back to the episode really quick. So, um, (laughs) the purpose of us being here. So, okay, I'm kind of on the fence. Okay, usually I think that Leonard's a big creep. I do like Leonard, but, you know, Leonard's just too mucho, just generally. But in this episode, I kind of ride the line between whether Leonard's the asshole or Penny's the asshole. I'm 100% Um, with Leonard is the asshole this time. This is the first time, I think, in the series where I felt legit bad for, for Penny. Yeah, I mean, I do, but at the same time, he does bring it up at some point. It's just like, hey, because, okay, if they hadn't had the conversation in the middle of the episode where she's like, hey, you're do- you're being way too much. And he's like, "Didn't wasn't this your idea? Yeah, and well, she's and again, like, to, yes. To take a step back, just for, for context again. Sorry. Because Penny is faking relationship with Leonard to keep her dad happy, or what she thinks will keep her dad happy. 
And Leonard thinks it is great and is taking advantage of it by just being all over Penny and just wallowing like a pig and shit in uh, Penny's dad's approval. There. Okay, go on. Yes. Well, and making Absolutely. her make out with him. That's the, I mean, the rest of it That's is, is, un- is Well, no, I'm just saying both things happened. That's Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, and honestly, I mean, that's the thing with with this whole episode is that, yes, Penny did put herself into a bad position by being like, please lie for me. Leonard is an asshole in it, but Leonard also is doing what I... it it Okay, the reason that I think that maybe Leonard isn't as much of a dick, or at least is a very human response, is ah, if put in the same situation, I don't know if I would do anything different. And that's me being 100% honest. Do you know what I mean? Somebody who I loved who broke up with me and is like, please pretend to be my girlfriend because my mom really likes you. I would fucking ride that shit into the sunset. Like, I would. Like, I know that. All right. Fully well, I'm judging you, you know, very hard now as well, Chloe. <laughs> you want to know? Can I tell you? Uh, so now it's my turn to abjectly humiliate on my show. This is basically the plot of an anime that came out recently called Rent-A-Girlfriend, and it's great. Ooh. That's my plug. Everyone should watch it. We do plugs at the end of the show, Kyle. I, yeah. I, this, there's never going to be a better moment to bring up my love of this, of this anime that's basically about a softcore <laughs> form of prostitution that I can't Anything. stop watching. So, Honestly, valid. Yeah, no, I, I fully, you know what, Nicholas, you're allowed to judge me for that. I think that Leonard is a totally a creep in this, but also, like, I just hate Penny. So maybe that's just my hatred of Penny coming out and me being like, haha, that's very funny. I'm right. a misogynist. That's you what are we've learned. Well established. What, what, what did we not, what did we expect? Why would we have thought otherwise? Yeah, no. I don't have a weird haircut and I don't have any piercings or tattoos, so I'm obviously not a feminist. You don't have any piercings? No. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I just always just kind of assumed you must because um, you're a woman I know. Um, but <laughs> I guess that's not how it works. I have zero piercings. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm questioning a lot of things about my life right now. But... <laughs> what? What? Am I not cool enough for you now? Is that well, what? Well, you were never cool enough for Nick, and I said that <gasps> multiple times. But <gasps> Oh, my God. <laughs> This has been a rough road. <laughs> I'm a different oh. person than I was 45 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, gentle viewers, what you need to understand also is that Nicholas and I dated. So that is, that's why that hit very hard. And you know what? I'll take it. I'll fucking what? take the it. The things. Sorry. I'm just, I want to be very clear. There's a very small list of things I think are good enough for Nicholas and Montana and you are not on that list. <laughs> you know what? I don't know what to say to that. How about that? How about you made the theater person not have anything to say? I feel like a real Leonard right now. Just <laughs> Impotent? Yeah. <laughs> Waiting for someone's dad to diss on you so you'll finally have a shot with the girl you care about? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> that was that was really... Keith Carradine, yeah. by the way. Did we ever talk about that? I don't know no. who that is. He's, I mean, he's an, he's mostly a TV actor. He's, he's one of the Carradines, you know, the most famous of which is, is the Kung Fu guy who was Bill and killed Yeah, Bill. David but, Carradine. Yeah. But he's also, he's Wild Bill Hickok in Deadwood. That's probably his best performance. He has this crazy ass mustache and hair and he just shoots a shitload of people. And that's what I know him from. And immediately when he came on screen, I was just like, wow, Bill, what are you doing in this? And why aren't you talking? Why aren't you talking to Leonard like an 19th century gunslinger? <laughs> but you know, I just I don't know. I probably am falling on the bad side of this. I did feel bad for Penny in it. I feel like Leonard did take it too far. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, we're we're at a crossroads I mean, right now. Penny should not oh. have lied either, but you know, if she was going to lie. Then- Okay, well, so this is the last Definitely thing I will bring up. You know, either of you are, you know, of course, free to bring up more more topics if you want. But speaking of Penny lying, this this speaks to my own relationship with my family. And I know it's uh-huh. not a normal relationship. But that Penny lied to get her dad's approval, I just cannot relate to. Because I cannot imagine ever giving a shit whether my parents <laughs> approved of what I did or my lifestyle or anything. <laughs> 
And I'm trying to like, is that, what's, what is that clacking? But what is that like for either of you? Is that like, is that something that either of you have felt that you've had to do in the past to like either pretend or like take affirmative steps to get a thumbs up from a parent? Or is that, or am I out on my own on thinking that is just absolutely bizarre? On my own. Uh, no. no <laughs> please do not open that box. Close the box right now. <laughs> I knew that I was going to get a reaction out of that. Oh, boy. I've had too many White Claws for you to sing that siren song to me. Are you flipping quarters? Is that what that sound is, Kyle? We don't have to know what I am or am not doing on this end of the microphone. We don't watch each other. Well, whether or not we know what it is, I'd really (laughs) rather not hear it. (laughs) We can hear it, though. That's why I asked. Nicholas, to your point, Jesus Nicholas, to your point of whether or not I have definitely lied for the benefit of my mom to make her like approve of my life choices. I live with her. She is my best friend and I'm constantly wanting her to be proud of me. And yes, I understand as a 27 year old woman, that is maybe not like the healthiest thing about me, but fully, fully I have lied about boyfriends in the past and like what they do, who they are. The kind of person that they are. No, I swear um, he's a real lawyer. He's not just pretending <laughs> to be a lawyer. My mom actually really liked Nicholas, which was upsetting for her that she was just like, "Aw, no, on the lawyer." And I was just like, "No, I just, I." It's really funny because you're the Nicholas was the only person who I've ever dated who had a real adult job, and uh, that was just a really interesting thing to watch my mom kind of process that and be like, "Wow, we're moving up in the world, aren't we?" Now you know how Penny's dad felt. Yeah, no, that's kind of, maybe that's why I kind of sided with Leonard in this episode. Because I was just like, uh, I've been Penny before in a weird way. I don't lie to my, like, let's, I mean, I am uh, I am an accountant with a 4.0 GPA. So I've never had to lie to my parents for their approval. But I often have to lie to them so that they don't worry about me like for instance today i told them i was having people over for my birthday instead of the truth which is there's absolutely no one who is going to come and spend time with me today you know all of my you know all of my hanging out with people will be virtual which is not you know necessarily a bad thing because it's in the middle of a coronavirus but even if there wasn't a virus there would be no one coming to visit me because i'm such a lonely asshole but that's not things that I have to bring up with them because that would make them depressed and make them worry they had raised a son who was like a sad miserable loner and so I lie to them about stuff like that, but it's not really about approval. It's about not having them be sad for their sad son. But isn't that approval? Like, no. isn't isn't that approval? That's pretty much well, approval. And, and I feel like no, it's sparing their, it's sparing that, it's shielding. It's you know, like sometimes you lie to your children so that they won't have to realize how horrible and fucked up a place the world really is. You reach a certain age, and you have to do that for your parents. That's what it is. See with my with my my stepdad, uh-huh. like there's no hiding that I'm a, 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 just a sad, miserable loser. Loser. But then the the response to that is like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like what? <laughs> that's what being alive is. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right, well, carry on. And that's that's how we deal that's with like our weirdly shit. Weirdly supportive. Oh, mm, all right. Yeah, it's that's a way support- of putting it. It's not supportive, but it's its own thing. It's definitely it's definitely not the normal dynamic. We'll give yeah. you that. All right. Right. Well, you, and yeah. Now that, that we've all sense. talked about how we lie to our parents and ourselves, <laughs> let's let's move on to our nerd thing of the week. But before we do, I'm not going to plug anything. I'm not going to like. In, I am going to very mildly encourage that people share the show because it still blows my mind that people are interested in this. Our listeners go up a little bit every every other week. Yeah, Chloe, you should really be thanking us for this exposure that we're giving you right now. Oh, thank you so much nuts. for letting me on your podcast. I really do appreciate it. And it, um, It's funny because one of these days she's going to be on TV and it's going to be really <laughs> sort of weird for everyone that she was on this weird fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be nobodies. that and, and I don't know if it's... If it's realism or a, a total lack of self-esteem that makes me suspect that 80% of our listeners and Facebook group participants and whatever are bots. But hey, we're attracting bots, so that's something. Um, hey, so yeah, share the show. Wanna, uh, Nicholas, there's something I wanted to say to that because I've heard you say that before. And 
think about it like this. This isn't a political show. So there would be really no reason for specifically like Russian bots or, well, I guess horny bots. Maybe, maybe horny bots would know that horny people log into the show. So maybe that's why horny bots follow it. Huh. I like horny bots as like horny bots seems like the, like the anime that I didn't get as a child that I deserved. Um, <laughs> I want, I want, like, I want all the horny bots, like not just one or two, but like there are the Decepticons and there's Optimus Prime's team. And then there's the third, there's the horny bots that everyone's a little embarrassed by, but they're still there. This, this reminds me of the one half of a joke I have about the Transformers. And it's just this question. Do you think they decided to call themselves Decepticons? Mm. That's all. Uh, I'm so sorry <laughs> to do this to you, Nicholas. Okay, then don't. All right, let's move on <laughs> to our nerd thing of the week. They call themselves Decepticons because Megatron published a manifesto. God fucking damn it. Frequently in the manifesto, <laughs> when he was a minor Why on Gallus Why do you Gallus even apologize? 3, You're obviously not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when he was a minor on Gallus 3 and he was writing his political manifesto against the functionist government of Cybertron. Oh no. The recurring phrase in his primo political treatise was you are being deceived. And so the people who embraced the cause of Megatron were branded as Decepticons because they no longer embraced the functionalist dichotomy of the corrupt Cybertronian Senate. That's why. All right. Well, I'm well, glad that were I in L.A. and still going around to random app, open mics that I know that someday, had we not already met each other, <laughs> I could maybe count on you appearing to stand up in the middle of the show and explain that loudly. Um, actually? Actually. Actually. <laughs> yes. No. Now continue to participate as the parody of yourself as if you didn't just do exactly the thing you did. And let's move on to our nerd thing of the week. It's like Hannah Gatsby says, I have information that you need to know and knowledge is power, so you're welcome. Chloe, as the guest, you get the choice. You can go first, middle, or last. What is your choice? I'll go first. Um, Okay, so I decided because the world is burning and I have have better things to do, but really, am I going to do them? No. I started One Piece, and you know what? One Piece is really Yeah! Kyle! (laughs) Last warning before you are replaced with Chloe. (laughs) Woo! One Piece is really good, you guys. And anybody watching... Yo, ho, ho, eat the cursed gum gum. It's so good. I didn't watch it when it was first around. And, you know, I posted a status on Facebook about it, and my friends were like, it's 700 episodes long. Good luck. And boy, howdy. Am I ready for 700 episodes of this? It's 90s nostalgia in the best way possible. And you know what? Everybody who's looking for a little bit of serotonin should go check out One Piece on Netflix. What, okay, you, I'm glad you kept it short, but also explain as as much time as Ooh, you want. What the fuck okay. is One Piece? Okay, mon- okay, so One Piece follows... No, just what is it? You gut. didn't even describe if it. It's a show, right? It's an anime? <laughs> It's an anime. There. It's an anime. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm bad at things. No, um, you're not. I just have weird standards. That's No, okay. So it's an anime. It came out in the 90s, I believe. It follow, it's a pirate anime. So basically, it's like a pirate world. And the main character is Monkey D. Luffy. And he has special powers because he ate a fruit from the gum gum tree or a commonly known the devil fruit fruit and so his body is made of rubber but it makes sense and (laughs) it's just a delightful (laughs) it's just a delightful show okay you know what's great about that is i mean it's a great show but his Uh powers are basically the most what i love about it is his powers are the most cartoony powers of like any like his powers are literally like like a love letter to animation because he's basically he has like bugs bunny powers or like like, like, there's a thing, if you watch Tom and Jerry, there's, like, an old thing that Jerry used to do where he would blow up, he would blow on his thumb and his entire fist would inflate like a balloon and then he would punch someone. And that was a comic thing. But that's literally how Monkey D. Luffy fights people. Yep. So, he's, I mean, it's, it's basically, in- it's basically the same powers that we later see, like, 
Kamala Khan have as Miss Marvel. So I just mm-hmm. love how like visceral his power set is. Also, if you if you like character driven things, it's it's pretty good char- character driven thing. But specifically, the main character is a manic pixie dream boy, which yes, I, this is very yes. true. Yes, I we don't see enough Manic Pixie Dream Boys. And so if you are a fan of that particular subsect of characters, then you will enjoy it. So the funny thing, this is the last thing and I'll and I'll <laughs> we'll move on. But you were talking about this. There are on Netflix, which you are watching, are the first four seasons, which comprise a hundred and eight episodes, I think, or mm-hmm. so. Maybe like a hundred and thirty, it looks like. There are twenty seasons of, of oh, One Piece. Oh my god. Jesus. I, yeah, I'm going to have to switch over to Crunchyroll probably at some point, which I'm assuming it's on Crunchyroll. How is it I, not on Crunchyroll if I it's not? I think you're right. There right. is so much One Piece. Kyle, yeah. uh, you or me for the next nerd thing. Go ahead, Nick. All right. Um, so I can I, talk all over yours too. Like that. <laughs> Dick. Well, so I'm worried I'm going to poach you because I'm tempted to talk about Hades, which just. No, please go ahead. I'll one, back you up. Well, but I also. You, because you're talking about Manic Pixie Dream Boys, it made me think of himbos. Oh, I and, love a himbo. And I, I don't know himbo. if I've brought this up on the show yet, but it's something I was thinking about the other day. Because um, uh-huh. uh, I'm I am a, a tremendous Final Fantasy fanboy, and Final Fantasy 16 was just announced, and the trailer looks fine. I don't have any. I don't have. <laughs> I know enough about it to have an opinion about it yet, but. Hearing about the Manic Pixie Dream Boy making me think of Himbo has made me think, uh, maybe my recommendation this time is going to be Final Fantasy X. Because that game, in my opinion, is the last legit good Final Fantasy main series game to come out. And it came out in like 2001 or something like Yo, that. Yo, what? Yeah, you know, which is almost 20 years ago. And I've still played every Final Fantasy since then. And in a way, I'm just deceiving myself because I every time a new one comes out, I'm like, maybe this one's going to be good. Um, and they <laughs> never are, but I don't stop. And it's I don't play them to complain. I play them because they are so ingrained in my as just a part of my life. Like, right. I, I'm going to play 16. I don't care if it's good or bad. I don't care how much it costs or like who I have to murder to get it. I'm just going to play it because that's what I've been doing since I was six years old. It's the Bernadette of his video gaming life. Oh, boy. Woof. I would ask you to explain that, but I don't want to know. So, um, (laughs) but uh, Final Fantasy X is the last one that I think was actually like fun. And the basic premise is uh, you have this, this guy, Titus. Some will say Titus, and those people belong uh, on the moon. And I think it's funny. He is a, he is a sports star. He plays blitzball, which is a, a, like soccer, except you play it in a sphere full of water. So it's 3D, except you actually do play blitzball in the game, and they didn't know how to make it 3D, so it's not. And it's well, also very unclear whether everyone playing it uh, can breathe under their, uh, underwater or are holding their breath for hours at a time. Doesn't need to be answered. Still super fun. I play, I've played so much more Blitzball than I think college athletes have played real sports in their life. Like, I've got the, the, the number of times I've played Blitzball so I can get that Saturn sigil. I don't even... God damn it. But anyway, so he's, he's living the life. He's a sports superstar in the city. He's loving it. And then uh, an old mysterious samurai man is like hey, guess what? We're going to go meet your dad. Come to this magic portal with me. And he's like, all right, I guess this is happening. And then he goes on an adventure to another world where he meets a pretty lady on a journey and he becomes one of her six bodyguards. And they have to go to all these different temples so she can um, do all of the trials she needs to become a summoner. Because and later on, she becomes a pop star. She what? does in Final Fantasy X2, which is basically like, hey, you remember how that game was pretty cool? We thought it would be even better as if it were just Charlie's Angels. Um, <laughs> and then you get Payne, who only shows up in that game, and she's like, hey, I know um, there was already enough here to get the weebs, but we also needed to add just a little extra to make sure we were getting all the sad goth boys while we were in there. And that was a real miscalculation because, like, there's no distinction between those two groups. It wasn't necessary, and I'm thankful for it nonetheless. But um, 
So yeah, they go on this journey together, and uh, the reason I'm thinking of himbos is that the Titus, on the one hand, I've seen brought up as being a himbo. And for anyone who doesn't know what the fuck that word means, easiest explanation, male bimbo. Yeah. Except, I think in he the- He bimbo. Like She-Hulk, he bimbo. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Um, except You're I welcome. think- in the recent context, it has been used so much more positively than the word bimbo. And that, oh, yeah. Yeah, because bimbo like comes with it, like a real serious negative connotation, which I think needs to be it's dispelled. Not, we, need, we need a feminine, we need fimbos, feminist bimbos, fimbos oh, no. and himbos. No. But, but himbo. I'm making fimbo a thing. It's happening. No. Himbo has been embraced as having all the qualities of a bimbo, except just being like a nice, cool guy. Yeah. Um, you have and, to let. You have to support and love women. You have think, to. Yeah, before, have great upper sorry. body strength. <laughs> so the two, the three recommendations for being a himbo is love and support women, be dumb dumb, and be able to have amazing upper body strength. Those are the. I think, before, I think those are before, the criteria. Before himbo was a word, I had this. Basically, <laughs> I always thought of these because these people exist. Obviously, I always thought human golden retriever. Yes, and so that, that is, is also that is, apt. Yes, but, very but much so. Also of uh, the cast is Waka, the 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 chill Waka island Waka. guy who who's has... very racist. Waka, Waka's what? racist? We, what the fuck are you talking about? What he against the Albed? But like everyone hates the Albed. That's the thing. Oh, he, okay. He's been blind. So every, he's been blinded by the racist. teachings of Yevon, and he <laughs> overcomes the the inherent discrimination of his religion. By spending time with people of that culture. He's racist at the start of the game, but then he embraces the Albed. But he, I think, is actually the superior himbo. And we don't have time to get into this. But also, there's Lulu. And uh, she's great because if you had pain in the second game because you wanted to get the goth boys in, I didn't oh, know God, why you just Lulu. didn't bring in more Lulu because they're like, hey, what if we what oh, if we had a big titty goth babe who had a dress made of belts? And oh, oh it's incredible. Ooh. And not only that, she she's she's the, the black mage of the group, and the way that she casts magic is that she summons it forth from a series of cute plushies that she brings. God what? damn it. She holds right under her magnificent rack. Yeah. Oh wow. So I like this game. This sounds really cool. It's great. It's it is. and it's it's the last Final Fantasy game where I think everyone involved in it, like in the writer's room or like the production studio or whatever, like they could all sit around a table and look at each other and they were like, We know what we're making here, right guys? Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> And, and ever since that, it's been like, mm, I'm a sad boy sworn to destiny to oh, no. fight on behalf of a crystal. I, no. I ride a gigantic yellow bird that has meaning to my kingdom that I can't explain because I'm too busy co- co- combing my hair. Yeah, Jesus here's an entire Christ. glossary of terms we invented exclusively for this game that will never matter again, but we're going to use them like you know, like you watch the two-hour, like, DVD special we put out exclusively for this particular Final Fantasy. Uh, yeah. God damn it, that's so annoying. And so, it sounds so sad to say it like this, but it is true. But for the last 20 years of my life, I've just been waiting for them to go back to a game like Final Aww. Fantasy X. Aww, Every new is, game that comes oh. out, I'm like, maybe this is going to be the one, and it never is. Um, but I'm going to stop there. It's absolutely worth playing. There's HD versions of it on most of the current systems. It's easy to grab. It's totally great. Do Final you know, Fantasy there, X. The only thing that I hate about Final Fantasy X is the I don't really like the English dub very much. Is there any way? Of course you don't. Of course you don't. Look, of course I, you don't. No, here's a true fact. One of the reasons the English dub is so bad is because they didn't know how to sync the odd. Like there was a because of the way the PS2 was wired, they couldn't sync the audio unless it perfectly matched the lip movements. So it is really bad in a lot of places because the voice actors can't can't just say their lines within the length that they have. To, like in the file, they literally have to match like what they're saying to the lip movements of like these bad CGI puppets. So it results yes. in some really unfortunate moments of 
dialogue. It's not like the writing of the translation isn't bad. It's literally the delivery is hampered by like graphic, by like programming constraints. So I've always wanted to play it in Japanese with subs, but I still don't think that is possible, which is crazy. I mean, you can do that. I just like it and I'm living my life. I don't, it's, it's been pretty easy for me. So you don't feel weird when Titus does this whole like, ha, 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 ha thing. This is not the place for it, but I will fight you. I will fight anyone else who criticizes that scene. And I, I don't mean argue. I mean, I know that you know Krav Maga or whatever, and I will wager my own body against your disparaging comments. Ooh. You know what? That's a fun game for my my brain and my brain alone. Who would win in a fight between you two? Because well, Kyle. Yeah. yeah like, but... what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're like a tree trunk of a man. So, like, it would take a while to take. Chloe you down. has never respected my physical prowess, or exactly. <laughs> she has well, always been very clear that she does not understand exactly how proficient I am in the dealing of death. But it's hey, fine. Hey, hey, Kyle. You want to know why? Fucking put a video up of you doing it, Ben. Fucking I have, I have. There are videos up. You don't. This watch is them. news. There are Big Bang Theory. This just in. You can see Kyle apparently getting muscly danger buck wild somewhere on the internet. Kyle, tell us more. Is it on YouTube or is it on your Facebook? It's on. I posted my entire Muay Thai fight to Facebook. I also oh. posted my entire Croft McGaw exam brown belt to Facebook. You did? Well, when you say yes. that, it, when you say that, it sounds boring. You're like, yeah. I, I, I posted an exam to Facebook. No, yeah. what I want is I. Hey, I posted that time that I ripped someone's throat out and yeah. shoved it back down their neck so they could start breathing again before they died on Facebook. Like that sounds hot. Spice it up, baby. Yeah. And tell seconds. us your nerd thing. Tell us your nerd thing. Well, I just wanted to say you definitely have recommended Final Fantasy X before, but this is a much better conversation than the last time. So honestly, I, sorry, I'll, let me really just cut good. in for one second. I I am not a video game person, but based on that recommendation, I might actually play Final Final Fantasy X. I'll so buy it go. for you. I will be the fucking Gideon's Bible distributor of Final Fantasy X. Jesus Christ. Okay, cool. Is that on Switch? Because I'll let you buy it for me too. I mostly just want to play X2 <laughs> so I can see how she, uh, how they handle the whole pop star thing. But I I'll don't, take both. I don't know that it is. It could be, but I'm, I'm not. I don't think so. If it's not, out oh on no, Switch, it is. I see. It. I looked it up as we're speaking. It is on Switch. <gasps> Ooh. Okay, Kyle, go ahead with your thing. Sorry, I just had to cut in with that. That I've never heard somebody pitch a video game that well before, and so I, I liked it. There yeah. you go. You would like Final Fantasy. If you were going to like a Final Fan, if you were going to like a video game, it's hard to imagine you not liking Final Fantasy X. I, this is nerdy in a slightly different way. I have been reading this brand new translation of Beowulf that just came Ooh. out this year, and it is a goddamn treasure. So yeah? this was, this was translated by a woman named, uh, Maria Devana Headley, and she, she previously came to Beowulf because she was writing a novel um, from the perspective of Grendel's mother. So if you don't know, yes. Beowulf is is an old English poem written, I have no idea when, but like back when English was functionally a different language than what it is now. Like, like the 1300s-ish, who knows? I think. It, the point is, if you were to open up the original poem and look at it as it was written, it would be pretty much unreadable. Not not just because the dialect is so different, but because like the runic language that's written in looks really different. When you hear it read out loud, you can be like, oh yeah, there are words of this that sound like words I recognize in English, but probably not enough of them in a row that you could really follow much of the context. It's even like... If uh, if you, if Canterbury Tales, which is in Middle English, is a little hard to follow when you hear it read aloud, like Beowulf is much harder, but still pretty cool. It has a lot of cool literary, like like it's very alliterative, which is cool, and it's just a cool badass story. So it's the story of this hero, this sort of Viking dude named Beowulf, who battles like this ogre monster named Grendel and Grendel's mom who's like some kind of witch slash sea monster and eventually he fights a giant dragon and that's the whole poem it's it's the oldest known surviving epic poem 
written in a dialect of English. It's been incredibly popular. It's been translated into modern English a lot of times. And so Maria Headley did, after writing this whole other novel from the perspective of a character who appears in Beowulf, she did so much work translating Beowulf that she's like, you know what? I should just write, I should just, I know the language well enough now. I should do my own translation of Beowulf. And it is one of the best things that I've ever read in my life. Because she translates it into, like, there are a whole bunch of debates that I'm not going to get into about, like, what constant, like, what the role of a translator is. Like, is it your job to, like, just be as accurate as possible to, like, the specific word choices that the original poet uses? Or do you have to capture something of, like, the tone or the sense? Or the um, context, yeah. Or the context. So she goes full out like, no, what I am for is I just want to make this as fun for the modern listener as it would be fun to listen to if you were like sitting around a campfire listening to someone uh, recite this in ancient times. And there, so, are there academics calling her a witch for doing so? I'm oh, like, uh, no I doubt. Would be v- no I'm, doubt. To be honest, I don't know, but I would be very much surprised. In every other case where someone has done this, there, yeah, there have been people lining up to shoot the person who did it. So I would be very much surprised if people weren't upset about this. But I love it. And so I just, I wanted to like read a little bit of this because it really is so good. I thought you needed to get a sense of what it's like. So this is, this is near the beginning when Beowulf is telling a story. Beowulf basically gets challenged by this other dude. He shows up and he's like, yo, I heard you had this monster Grendel who was being a dick to y'all and I'm going to kill him now. And someone's like, yo, Beowulf, I heard you weren't shit. I heard you lost a swimming contest once. And Beowulf is like, fuck you, no. And so he tells this whole story. And this is so I am now reading directly from the new translation. He goes... There are no ocean-goring stories more awful than mine, no tales of greater terror, no other man so sea-stalked, so sea-stalked, but I survived, my salvation in my own hands. The waves bore me shoreward, attending me and left me at long last in the land of the Finns. The end. I've racked my brain, bro, but Ufrith? I can't unpack any similar stories of heroics from you. Let me say it straight. You don't rate, and neither did Brecco when it came to battle. The gulf? Your cattle, and I'm a wolf. I'm not even mentioning your sins, your kin killing, your brother beating. I'm not the man to damn you. No shit, though, Uferth. If you were the bitter brawling brave you claim to be, your king wouldn't have suffered a single night of Grendel's rampage. No Britain bones, no bitten bones, no hall horror, no chaos in his kingdom. Grendel was aware he had nothing to fear here. Your sword's soft, son. And there's so he's- we end the podcast there. We couldn't possibly get nerdier. We've 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 peaked. I love that so much. Oh my god. I'm not even gonna go in I have a lot of feelings about Beowulf, but that's so cool. Well that makes me so happy. I'm so glad that there's a new translation by a woman too. Oh my god, there needs to be more female translations across the board. I'm very pleased with that. That was really great. So say again one more time the the name of the current translation and who wrote it. So it's Beowulf. It just came out. It's available in a nice blue paperback. It's by translated by Maria Headley. All right. Thank you. So we have an anime about a, a sexy gummy boy. <laughs> uh, we have a game that is an anime full of himbos and big titty goth babes. And then we have the motherfucking streetwise modern version of Beowulf. (laughs) (laughs) This is the nerdiest cropping of recommendations. Usually we like slow fade out. Like we'll we'll do like a little end of episode chit chat. I'm telling you, we're done. All right. Hey, (laughs) we knocked it out of the park this time. What? There's nothing left. Thanks for listening. Peace out. We're done. (laughs) 